This audio sermon is brought to you by the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. For more information, please visit www.hipm.org. Let's listen to the Word of God this morning. The last few weeks, we talked about the church and the importance of being together. We said a couple of things in the last couple of weeks. We said two are better than one, if you remember. Then we said we are many members, but we are together members of one body. And last week we talked about Christ and church in comparison with husband and wife relationship as written in Ephesians chapter 5. We have been dealing with, you know, church. As I said, that was not my intention to start a series, but then, you know, every week as it goes by, as the Lord speaks to us, God wants us to remind in this topic for a while. And today, I want to talk about a church that is dead. A church that is dead. When John writes to the churches in the book of Revelation, he writes to the church of Sardis in Revelation chapter 3 verse 1 the church of Sardis and he says and to the angel of the church are in Sardis write these things says he who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars he says I know your works that you have a name that you are alive but you are dead God looks at the church in Sardis and he says in Revelation chapter 3 verse 1, I know your works, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. And this morning I just want you to pay attention as the Lord speaks to us. Today morning sermon is something which is totally different than what I have experienced in my lifetime. But then this is what God wants me to do here. You know, there are many churches that are already dying or already dead. You know, if we do an autopsy of a dead church, we easily find out the cause for the death is simply prayerlessness. If we do an autopsy on a church which is already dead and try to find out the cause for the death of the church, and we come to know the reason for the death of the church is simply prayerlessness. Prayerless church is a dead church. A church where there is no prayer, the church is already dead. There is no life in it. A church doesn't pray. If you want to define a church which doesn't pray, it is simply the church doesn't exist at all. You may see a building, you may see a couple of people going and coming out, you may see programs going on, you may see activities happening there, but if there is no prayer, the church doesn't exist, exist at all. You know, even though prayerless, prayerlessness is not listed as one of the sins, Scripture clearly says in James chapter 4, verse 17, James chapter 4, verse 17, we read, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. 
Let's read that again, James 4.17. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. To him it is sin, that's what the scripture says. You know, without doubt, we can say, God has commanded us to pray. Any of you disagree to that? No? Yes? God has commanded us to pray, right? God has commanded many times us to pray. We will not go to those references. Jesus told his disciples to pray and not to give up. We read that in Luke 18, 1 to 8. Paul commanded us to pray continually. That's what he says. Pray without ceasing continually in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Peter wrote that we are to be self-controlled so that we can pray. We need to be self-controlled and we need to be focused so that we can pray. That's what Peter says. James commanded us to pray for one another. We need to pray for each other. And throughout the scripture we read, prayer has been given as not an option, but it is given as a command. If we fail to do something which is commanded us to do, it is surely a major sin. So not praying or prayerlessness is a sin in front of God. You know, today we don't realize, churches don't realize, and churches are sinning. Churches are sinning today the moment they don't come together to pray. Today if the church is not praying, there is no doubt the church is living in sin. The church is living in sin. You know, prayer needs to be rekindled in the church in order to revive the church. What do we do if someone is dead or someone is dying in the process of dying? You do all the first aids that we have learned and so that, you know, we try to revive him up. You know, some of us have learned to how to pray over a period of time. Some of us know how to pray. Some of us have experienced the benefit of prayer in our lives. So God is telling us that we need to just go and shake them up, shake those churches up and tell them that, come on, you need to pray because you are dying. You are about to die. It is time that we need to pray. It is very important today the churches pray so that they can be revived. We all know that church is the only hope of the dying world. Many times we say, many times we come across when we read articles, church is the only hope of the dying world. Think about a dead church. Where the world can go today? If the church itself is dead, where that world can go? For a church to be revived from its death, prayer has to be brought into the church. You know, when we think about a church which is dying, it is true for any church, any denomination, they call themselves as church, including our church. The moment we stop praying, we will experience death, spiritual coldness, spiritual complacence, spiritual apathy. Nothing will happen. Nothing will move. Nothing, whatever you try, how much ever you preach, we will not see any change in those churches. And today morning, God is telling us that there is a church which is already dead because of its prayerlessness. Today morning, just want to talk about two aspects of the prayer scripture mentions and God wants us to do. One, number one, is to pray for the leadership. Number two, is to pray for the membership of the congregation. 
There are two types of prayer that God wants us to do. Number one, pray for the leadership, the pastor or the ministers or the evangelist or the worship leader or children ministry leader, whoever it is. Just God wants us to pray for the leadership of the church. And number two, God wants us to pray for the membership or the congregation. Let's all turn uh, together to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. Let's read from verse 8 to 13. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Verse 11 says, And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Here we read Aaron and her coming together along with Moses in covenant relationship of extending their support to hold his hands. And scripture says as long as Moses' hands were held the enemy was defeated. Israel, they were prevailing in the battle. The moment Moses' hands were put down, the enemies were prevailing. And Moses and her, they were standing next to Moses. And Aaron and her, they were supporting. They were holding Moses' hands. You know, partnership in the ministry with church leaders is not a new concept at all. It has been there in the Old Testament. And even in the New Testament, it is very well there. Partnering with the church leader, the pastor, in prayer. You know, in the book of Acts, 120 people gathered together in the upper room. We know the history. Along with whom? Along with the 10, 11 disciples of God. They all gathered together in the upper room, along with the leadership of the church. And 10 long days they were praying at the upper room, along with the leadership and after 10 days of long prayer, with along with this 120 together, they were just encouraging and supporting, partnering with the leadership of the church. And they were praying together. And after 10 days of long prayer, Peter went out. And he preached the word of God, probably three minutes. You know, it takes three minutes to read, preach Peter's sermon. Three to five minutes he preached. And how many got added to the church? 3,000 people got added to the church on that day. And today, the church leaders, you know, they not even pray for three minutes and they are ready to preach for ten long days. You know, what will be the benefit of such preaching today? Peter and the apostles, they were remaining in prayer along with other church members and they were praying with one another for ten long days and that preaching was very, very effective. 
Today, God is looking for people to stand with the church leadership. You know, some of the churches are going through very difficult times. Some of the leaderships are falling away, falling apart. It's because they lack the prayer support of the believers. They lack the prayer support of the members and congregation. God expects us to pray for the leadership, for the pastors of our churches. Charles Finney was ministering in Rochester, New York, in 1830. Finney's prayer partner was a man by the name of Abel Clary. Abel Clary was Finney's prayer partner. Finney wrote in one of his books, he says, Mr. Clary continued as long as I prayed and did not leave until after I had left that room. He was just staying there and he was praying for me. He never knew that even I just got up and I, I went home because it was late. He was continuing pouring at the feet of God for me. He never appeared in public but gave himself wholly to prayer. The result was within one year, he says, Finney says, 1,000 people of the 10,000 population of Rochester came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Within one year, 10,000 people got added to the church. What was the secret? There was somebody who was partnering with the pastor and he was praying. He was just praying. He was not in the television. He was not in the stage. But all that he was doing is just praying. You know, I have heard many testimonies of pastors saying that today I'm standing. Today I'm able to continue the work of God. It is because someone, someone, some unknown person who keeps writing to me, who keeps praying for me. Probably she came to know through me, to me, about me in the television or through the radio or somehow but now she keeps praying for me. It is her prayers who's, which supports me today. You know, today God is asking us to stand with the leadership of the church in prayer. You know, I read of Charles Spurgeon, who saw great revival in his lifetime. Thousands of people came to the Sunday morning service to just hear, hear him preach the word of God. He was a mighty man of God. He was a mighty man who delivered God's word in a very authentic manner to the whole world. You know, one day someone came and he visited the, uh, the church known as Spurgeon's Tabernacle. And he started coming every Sunday to hear him preach. And one day he called him and he asked him, Spurgeon, I want to know, what is the secret behind your church? What is the secret behind the growth of your church? Why people are just pouring into your church? Maybe just they are not seeing signs and wonders here. All that they are hearing, they are just seeing is, they are seeing people listening to the word of God. You are preaching the word of God with such a great authenticity. What is the secret? And Spurgeon told you just come to my Sunday service morning, maybe a little early. Just come one hour early. I will tell you the secret of my ministry. And this man turned up on one Sunday morning, one hour early to the church. And Spurgeon took him. And he went behind the pulpit. And he behind the pulpit, he just opened a small trap door. And he lifted the trap door. And he asked this man to look through the trap door. And when he looked through the trap door, under the pulpit in the basement, he saw hundreds of people just praying only for the word which will be preached today. 
They were together praying for Spurgeon. Lord, bless that word. That word may touch somebody today. That word may heal somebody today. That word may put those broken hearts today. The secret of his ministry was just prayer. Max Lucado, he says, when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. When we work, we continue to work harder and harder and harder. But when we pray, God works. You know, God works, wants us to you know, extend our partnership with the church leadership today. You know, when the leadership and the people, they join together in prayer, God moves. God moves. I don't know about it, but there is a secret. When the church leadership come in agreement with people of God, they stand together and when they pray, God moves. Today, pastors need certainly more prayer. You know, they are the easy targets of the enemy. They are vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. You know, if the devil can take the spiritual leadership down, he has control over the entire congregation. Satan is attacking the spiritual leadership of the churches today. When we hear about something is going on in some of the churches, the leadership is falling and fading away. It is very clear that there was nobody to handhold, to support, to encourage, to hold, hold the hands together of those ministers of God. It is time that God is asking us to do that. A little carelessness from a pastor can bring, can allow, continue to allow the wolves inside the church a little carelessness from the side of a pastor will completely, slowly eat away the presence of God from the church. The enemy throws sickness. The enemy throws confusion and misunderstanding and doubt and depression and separation into the lives of pastors today because he becomes the easy target for the enemy. If you look into some of the statistics, that is really disturbing. For example... Do we really know there are hundreds of pastors in North America leaving the ministry every month because of stress, because of burnout, because of failures? The statistic says 97% of such pastors say they were inadequately trained to handle the challenges that they face in the church 80% of those pastors, those who are leaving the, uh, the ministry, they say pastoral ministry has a, had a negative effect on their children. 70% they say they constantly fight depression. They had to have hold this position of being a pastor in the church, but they constantly fight with the depression. At one fine morning, they need to quit because they are no more able to handle it. 70% of the pastors say they feel they are low paid, they are unpaid, underpaid. 71% they say they have so much of financial trouble that they are not able to continue in ministry. They need to get onto a job in, 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 a, in a natural way. 65% of they say that they are about to quit the ministry. They thought this once at least in the past 30 days. They thought of quitting once. In the past 30 days, 70% they say they don't have not even one person to consider him or her as their close friend. 
You know, most of the time, the pastors and the ministers of God, when they take on this profession, something that happens immediately, the friends, those who are standing next to them, the people who are until that point of time, they are next to them, they are no more there. And it is very hard to make for such person to make a friendship because nobody wants to come near, go near to that such a man of God. You know, this statistics is certainly troubling. That tells us that today, the spiritual leadership of this nation, they need more prayer. And what do we pray for them? What do we pray for pastors? What do we pray for your pastor? Maybe his health. Maybe God's wisdom. Maybe God's protection. Maybe we need to pray that he should be a role model in everything. Resemble Christ, you know, that is the expectation of the world. The children of God, ministers of God, they should resemble Christ. Even though it is expected out of all the believers, but it is more expected out of somebody who is standing in front of the crowd always. More anointing, more revelation of God. God, we need to pray for him that he may do God's will, not deviate from what God wants him to do. Pray for his family too. There are so many things that we can pray for the spiritual leadership. You know, I'm sure this morning God wants me to tell you that, you know, I'm not different, that I need your prayer. I need your prayer. You know, prayer chain for the pastor and the church is something which is very, very important. I don't know why God wants to share this, but God wants me to share this. We are going to start a prayer chain for your pastor. We need to start a prayer chain to cover your spiritual leadership, whoever it is. Sometimes, you know, it looks strange because we have not done something similar to this. Probably God wants us to do that. You know, that may bring great change, the way we do things for God. You know, first of all, what this prayer does? This prayer changes our lives. The first change, the first result of any prayer is it makes change. It brings change in our own lives. Secondly, it brings change in the life of the person to whom we are praying for. Then it works around that situation or that must be aware that person is. Prayer brings changes to our life. It draws us closer to God. It helps us to get out of sin completely. It helps us to long for God and to gain desire for His holiness. It helps us. It gives us the urge to serve God. It consumes us with the thirst for souls. You know, that's what exactly prayer does. When we pray for the leadership, God consumes us, our lives, individually our lives with such a desire which is not of this world, but it is of heaven. And how are we going to do that? Each one of us are going to select one day of a week and that we are going to pray for the church leadership and for the church membership, the congregation. There are two things we are going to talk about today. One is the prayer for the church leadership and the second one is the prayer for the congregation. I have given you, we have given you a small card. At the end of the service, you are going to put down there your name and the day of the week when you are going to pray for your church pastor and for the congregation. Just put that sometime during the, during the sermon. And at the end of it, we are just going to pray over it. All of us are going to do that. You know, when we do that, 
this is what something is going to happen. You know, see, we see a chain here. Now, when we do that, each of us may be like this chain, the link, or the, 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 the circle, what we have here. Each one of us. As each one of us connect, maybe we are connected on Monday. Somebody is praying for me. Somebody is praying for each of us, all of us. Somebody is praying on Tuesday. Someone is praying on Wednesday. Someone is praying on Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And we come back on Sunday. You know, we are covered. There is a spiritual coverage over the leadership and over the church. And what is this coverage? It is the prayer of the saints. The prayer of a righteous avails much. The prayer of a righteous avails much. As children of God, when we take a day and pray, while walking you pray, before you go to bed you pray on that day. Think about that. Lord, that man who needs prayer. Lord, the church member, the person who was sitting next to me, he needs prayer. He was sharing a testimony that he is, something is going through in his life. Lord, he needs prayer. Lord, somebody walked into the church today knew, Lord, they need prayer. Let's cover our church with the prayer chain. And we'll see God doing mighty things. God's protection, safety coming upon the church. So number one, we are going to pray for the spiritual leadership. And number two, we are going to pray for the church. What are we going to pray for the church? There are five different things. Jesus was praying for the church. Let's turn to John chapter 17. John chapter 17, 8 to 24. We will not read those scriptures, but we will read specific scriptures from that portion. John chapter 17 verses 8 to 24, where we see the intercessory prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ to his disciples. Before Jesus was caught up into heaven, he was praying for his disciples. He called everybody, all the disciples. And I believe all of you know disciples, they represent today's church. Did you hear me? The disciples, they represent today's church. So Jesus was standing with the church in the middle of the churches and he was praying for the churches. That's what God expects us to pray for the churches as we pray. Number one, God wants us to pray for the word of God to work in our lives. Let's read verse 8, John chapter 17, verse 8. Jesus praying, for I have given them the words which you have given me and they have received them and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Jesus says, for I have given to them the words that which I have received from the Father. The number one prayer that church is in need of today is to pray that God's word may work in the church. Let's read verse 17. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. Your word is the truth. You know, the first thing God wants us to pray when we pray for the church, that the people receive the word of God. Let people receive the word of God and let people live according to the word of God. You know, when we listen to the word of God, the enemy doesn't like that. Right? Most of the time when we listen to the word of God, that's the time, you know, we feel that we are so relaxing. And we just slowly end up in just closing our eyes. We don't sleep, but you know, we just feel like taking a little, little nap, quick nap. When? When we listen to the word of God. Why it is so? Because the enemy is very particular. 
that he doesn't want us to listen to the word of God. What can bring change in our lives? Can a miracle bring change in our lives? Can a vision bring change in our lives? It may. But certainly one thing that will bring change in our lives, what is that? Word of God. The word of God, the spoken truth of Lord Jesus Christ. So enemy doesn't want us to listen to that. So God is asking us to pray. So the word of God may be preached effectively and it may be received effectively. You know, today people listen to the word of God. And most of the time we think that the word of God, oh, he's preaching. Maybe not to me, but for the person sitting next to me. If your wife is sitting or husband is sitting, may it may not be that person, maybe the person next to her, right? So we think that God is preaching to, or God is talking to somebody else. Oh, he's talking about somebody else. No, it is not true. He's talking about us. He's talking about us. We need to pray that God, you should give hearts which receive. Which receive. You know, otherwise all these messages, all these, you know, uh, testimonies are, are of no use. Unless we receive the word. So first of all, God wants us to pray for the church. And what we need to pray for? We need to pray so that God's word will be received. And you know, when God's word is preached, some of the words can be picked up by the birds of the air. Some of the words may be choked by the thorns. Some of the words can be, cannot root further down because it is hard. The heart is hard like a rock. Right? So there are three ways. One is the birds can pick up. Some of our thoughts will just, you know, overshadow the word of God and that it's gone. We just received it, but it's gone. And some of those words, it looks like it fell into our hearts. We just praise God, praise God, thank God, thank God, because God is speaking to me, God is speaking to me. But then, once we are out of this place, all the thorns grow and choke the word of God. And what did your pastor preach on last week? I don't know. Do you have any idea? I don't know. He was saying something about something. But I don't have any clue. Right? Because the thorns will grow. All our worldly burden will grow and it will choke the word of God. Some of the words... It's like falling on the rocky ground. No matter how hard you yell and shout and scream and preach and hit on the pulpit and do all these things, just sit like this. Nothing can shake me no matter what happens, right? So hard-hearted. And today God is asking us to pray for our hearts so that our hearts may receive the word of God. The moment Lord speaks to us, we may receive. The question that we, I need to ask, do I pray to God before I come to the church? Do I pray at least one? God, speak to me today. Do we pray? God is asking us to pray. Do we pray that people may receive the word of God today? God is asking us to pray. Number two, verse 11. The last part of verse 11. John 17. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I came to you, Holy Father, keep through your name these whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are. Let's read verse 21. That they all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. For the world to believe Jesus Christ, Scripture says we need to be 
one. We need to be one. This is the word of God. Word of God doesn't say that we need to be individual. We need to just stand all alone. Scripture very clearly. In fact, Jesus is praying to God the Father. The way he is praying that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me. And I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You know, unless we are together in along with Christ Jesus, world is not going to believe that Jesus is the savior of the world. You know, it is important today that we are united. You know, last few weeks, God spoke about that. Two are better than one. We are many members, but still one body. God has been talking to us. God is telling us that we need to be united. We need to be staying together. Jesus prayed for the unity of the disciples. That means Jesus has prayed for the churches saying that we need to be together. We need to pray and protect, you know, those influences that are trying to destroy the unity in the church. We as children of God, we have the responsibility of protecting the church. We need to stand and protect from those influences that are trying to, you know, destroy the unity. We need to pray God and we need to ask God not to allow them, not to send them. Those kind of wolves with the sheep clothing, they are trying to come and destroy the unity of the church. Lord, protect our church from them. So first thing, God wants us to pray that, Lord, I may receive the word of God. Secondly, God, we need to pray, God, Lord, keep us in unity and in love. Number three, verse 18. As you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Jesus was praying. As you send me from heaven into this world, Lord, I'm praying for the church that I'm sending the church into the world. Number three, the church has to pray. For its involvement in mission. Church has to pray for its involvement in mission. You know the reason for the existence of church is for mission. We all have a commission. We all have have a responsibility, a task assigned to us. You know many times we forget that. We all have a responsibility, task assigned to us today. What is the task? Go and preach the gospel. Go and preach the gospel in Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. You know, Jesus gave us an important commission of go and making disciples going and making disciples it is a commission for the church today and God is asking us are we praying that there may be disciples made are we praying today that there will be disciples a new birth of disciples in the churches today how do we do that look at the person who is staying with us look at the person who is living with us who is studying who is working with us or who is in our community, just try to find out, do they have a church? Do they have somebody who pray for them? Do they have a place where they belong to? If not, tell them that it is time that you need to find your Savior. You need to know our destiny is either heaven or hell. You need to know. God wants us to know that 
to do that. And God wants us to pray that our church be involved in mission. Do we pray for your church mission initiatives? Do we pray for new souls becoming disciples? God wants us to do that. Number four. We read that in verses 14 and 15. Verse 14 says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. Verse 15 says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world but that you should keep them from the evil one. The number fourth prayer, God is, Jesus was praying for the protection of the church. Protection of the church. You know, we all live in the evil world today. There are evil things happening around us. If you look at the Middle East, there is so much is going on in the churches. But you know what God is asking us to pray? God is asking us to pray so that our church may be protected. God is asking us to pray so that our church may be protected. The world we are living in is evil. The things which are surrounding us is evil. But God is asking us that we need to pray so that we are protected. We are spiritually protected. We are physically protected by the presence and glory of God. We need to ask God, Lord, there are some people going through difficult times. Am I praying for them? Am I praying for God's protection upon them? Number five, let's move quickly. Verse 13, Jesus is praying, but now I come to you and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. They may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus was praying, Lord, they may have joy fulfilled in their lives. What does it mean? God is asking us to pray. Lord, let your joy be seen in the church today. You know, most of the time, some of us, we go through the motion of church and the church becomes a burden for us. You know, many times it can happen. The church becomes a burden for some of us. But Jesus was praying, Lord, they may have joy fulfilled in their lives. And God is asking us to pray. Lord, we want to see the joy of the Lord in our church. We want to see the joy of the Lord in our church. God is asking us to pray for that. You know, today, if we don't have joy of the Lord in our lives, when people walk into the church, they are not going to be there willingly following Lord Jesus Christ. God has to give us that joy. You know, some of our lives, some of the churches at times, the joy of the Lord is taken out. Only prayer can bring that joy. Only prayer can bring that joy. Jesus was praying. Lord God, I pray that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. It was a prayer. It was not a preaching. It was a prayer. God wants us to pray for our church so that our, the joy of the Lord may be seen. In Psalm 122 verse 1 says, Psalm 122 verse 1, David says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, how many of us are glad on Sunday morning saying that today I'm going to go to the church? Or we say that, oh, this is the only day I thought I can get some rest. No, God expects us to be glad in his presence. And how that gladness come to the church? By prayer. By prayer, when we pray for the church, finally, Jesus is praying in verse 22. And the glory which you have, you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are. And the glory which you have given me, I have given them. What Jesus is praying, what Jesus is trying to say, 
Jesus is saying that, praying that people need to sense the glory of God. People need to sense the glory of God. You know, the word glory simply means it's a visible manifestation of the splendor or power or radiance of our God. The visible manifestation of the splendor and power and radiance of God. When we come together in worship, we need to be touched by the glory of God. We need to be touched by the presence of God. How that happens? By prayer. By prayer. If in a church when we enter into, if there is no prayer in that church, we don't feel the presence of God. We don't feel that, you know, we are part of the service, part of the worship. But if there's church which is praying church, we see the glory of God even tangibly touching people and their lives. And how that glory comes? Only when we pray. Only when we pray. We need to pray, Lord God, fill us. Fill our lives. Maybe in our worship time. Maybe in our service time. In our prayer time. With your glory. You know, when the glory of God falls upon us, it completely changes us. Our life gets totally changed. And today, this morning, God is asking us to pray for two things. One is God is asking for us to pray for the leadership, for your pastor and family. And second thing, God is asking us to pray for the church as a whole, for the word of God to be received by people of God, to be united in love. God wants us to pray so that we will involve in mission. God wants us to pray so that we will be protected from the evil. God wants us to pray so that the joy of the Lord will be seen in the church because joy of the Lord is our strength then we need to get the joy of the Lord that comes only when we pray. And we need to be touched by the glory of God. And that is possible only by prayer. And as we do this, this morning, God wants us to make a commitment to pray. Let's start this as a new, small beginning, humble beginning. Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swaminathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.